This is GWC podcast number 323, recorded May 5th, 2012. Finally, finally, in this episode, we wrap up our Avengers arc discussing the movie itself, The Avengers. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Heston. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart confusion. Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, in watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. Cast yes. 7,000 in the future. Coming to you from the year, the year 2000. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. The distant future. <laughs> Chuck mentioned on Twitter a little while back. He's like, you know, check out GWC. We got over just shy of 500 casts. I'm like, holy crap. No. Yeah, we've got really? a ton. 490 as of last week. I, I, because I was, I was You're doing talking wow. the, the whole GWC network. See, oh, you oh. remember when I got behind and I was like, oh crap, because school caught me and work caught me all at the same time and I just was hosed and I got a week behind, you know? So I had to go you in and suck. Put, I had to put out like 10 podcasts all <laughs> one. Oh, but yeah, the, yeah. the worst part was, is because. I had rendered some of them and some of them I hadn't. I'm like, crap, I can't remember which so. ones are which. So I had to go look on the site to see which one was the last one that was out. And when I was looking through, I just started thinking, I'm like, man, there's a lot of podcasts on this site. So I whipped out my calculator. Hang on a second while I whip out my calculator. Well, I whip this out. <laughs> no. And then, I, I saw a guy at Starbucks yesterday working with two calculators at the same time. And it, it made me think of you, Chuck, because he had one. <laughs> it was like one of those old... Um, super expensive scientific calculators from the 80s. Oh, yeah? And then I don't know if something was wrong with it or whatever, because the other one he was using was like this $2 like pink plastic one from Target. He's checking wow. his work. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh. <laughs> My yeah. brother has got like 15 apps downloaded that are all scientific calculators and stuff like that for his Android. Oh, I found the uh, most badass one. For those of you who are looking for a good... Uh, a good calculator, and I have looked forever. Because the me. one on the rain of my phone sucks. Yes. And and I, I, I had another one that I bought for a while. I'm trying to remember. Anyway, I, I think I got rid of it off here finally. But I like RPN calculators just because 
Sure. Once you think RPN, it's just easier to do everything that way. It's good. Once you RPN, you ain't never going back. Hell yeah. And uh, so I, I finally found one and it's like 10 bucks. So I was like really nervous. I'm like, I don't know, but I, the reviews look good. And I was like, oh man, this could be it. Right. Uh, it's called PCALC. And it's actually, the awesome part is, is the icon 42. Let me see it. The number 42. Oh. Isn't that awesome? Oh, okay. There it is. I see it now. <laughs> nope. Blind <sorry>. um, <laughs> I wanted an RPN calculator that could be very complex, but would also simplify to where like you don't want like 50 million little buttons when you're like trying to figure out at the gas pump or something, you know, right. or in the grocery store. Um, that would display a tape if you want it or multiple registers, but oh, not. Cool. So this is, it's like really simple. It'd be cool if it like actually spits tape out of the but iPhone. But check it out. I can, I can, whoops, I can add... You know, by just dragging down, I can add additional like registers at the top or, or get rid of them as need be. Uh, you can hit a thing real quick and I'll show you the whole stack of nice. what you've got. Uh, you can you can export the stack if you want. You can email it or copy it. Uh, you can click tape and it shows you a tape of everything you've done since you started the app. I mean, you know, it, I'm, I'm watching you describe this visually and it's hard for me to understand. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anybody that cares about yeah. calculators, really cares about them, will know what I'm talking about. You're freaking me out. Just the fact that you can you can easily and quickly reconfigure it from simple... Anyway, I'm just saying. It's badass. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, to go back to your original point. I don't know. What was I talking about? I don't know. That's what I was, <laughs> that's what I was asking. No, uh, just you were talking about the number of casts. And, and oh, yeah. So I went on my calculator, and I and then I made my, uh, my Boys and Saddles reference that nobody will get. And then I, anyway, I got it. I got it. I, uh, I was laughing on the inside. I see. <laughs> I actually <laughs> quoted it correctly. Yes, you did. It's true. <laughs> I, I uh, So I whipped out my calculator, and I added it up, and I'm like, holy crap. There are 490 podcasts When you said we had available. almost 500 casts, I thought you met GWC, and I felt like I was in a, a, Eureka, a time warp or Eureka time warp or something. Like, <laughs> well, it's been four years. I won champion standing. It's you know, crazy. Alternate but, reality. You know, I, it was really funny, but back when we're like, we're going to add a podcast, you know, and, and <laughs> everybody's like, one, yeah, right. You know? one, and another it took one. me a long time because like Juan and I were like beating our head against the wall going, man, we got to be able to do this on a weekly basis when we start it and it can't be a bitch, you know, and it took a long time to solve all the technical issues. And then once we did, you realize we've done like over 40 modern geeks, over 40, uh, over 30, uh, of all the other pod, uh, except uh, f- except Fitzmar, which we've done ten of now, um, four hundred and ninety podcasts, man. If you are hurt, my my tweet was: if you are looking for material, ten left, ten <laughs> left. There is there is a lot of material available for yeah. you on GWC. You may not like all of it, but there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, the guys were giving me crap. I didn't remember. I they were uh, talking about. Legends the other day, and they're like, "You realize you've been on this cast for forty casts now, mm. really? You know, I've got seventeen yep. WAs in the hole. I've got three hundred of these. We've been casting collectively for a long. We did sixty uh, uh, tool toolmonger podcasts. Oh God, I forgot about those. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't add those in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've been we've been on a lot of casts. Yeah, it's freaky. I'll just like." We should talk about something. You remember that time when we were talking about how many casts we did? <laughs> that was awesome, by the way. Thank you. And uh, on that note, Toe wave. how about some news? News. <laughs> and now, Galactic Water Cooler. News, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during 
segment. So it was released a couple days ago. The uh, did you guys see the Spider Man trailer? No, no, I have not yet. No. I missed wow. it in the theater. I'm looking we came forward to seeing. Uh, it's uh, what what's his name? Andrew Garfield, right? Yeah. What'd you think? You know, I was I had zero interest before I saw the trailer in another Spider Man movie. I mean, I, the minute less they said reboot, interest. I was interested because yeah. I think Spider-Man is totally due for it. It's like the opposite of the Star Trek problem. Yeah. When they said reboot, re- reboot with like, Star Trek, no. everyone's like, oh, crap, I hope they do it right. And, then, and with, with Spider-Man, like, everyone's Sweet. like, I don't Please, give a somebody crap. Just, and, fix, yeah. just fix it. Spider-Man just is awesome. Me. There should be plenty of room yeah. for a, a good Spider-Man movie. And everyone makes fun of like Indiana Jones like and the most recent movie that no one ever wants to admit exists. Crystal Skull. Yeah. And I'm like... That's nothing compared to the the hideosity that was Spider-Man 3. <laughs> yeah, Audrey. Spider-Man 3 was not good. Terminator 3 was better than Spider-Man 3. Oh, I like better. Terminator 3. I like Terminator 3, 3 too. Yeah. I know. Like I said, it's better. I like the shaking. <laughs> Spider-Man, Audrey, tell, tell them what you told us before the podcast. It's total style. If anybody's going, well, Spider-Man 3, there were some moments. Tell them what you told us. That uh, moment that did oh it for God, you. Oh, God, no. This is awesome. The, yeah, the moment of... Uh, Toby Maguire disco dancing down the sidewalk dressed as like a goth, like hot topic. Guy. <laughs> you, you know, I, just with the disco, I, oh. Audra's like, <laughs> I just, I couldn't take it. Audra's like, disco's dead. Just stop it. Just leave it dead. And so is that Spider-Man franchise. Yeah, Time to move on. Go, well, I, you know, Toby Maguire actually wasn't a bad Spider-Man. It's just, no, no, he, he was, yeah, it was just he a was bad the most script. believable Peter Parker I've, I've seen a, a crossing to the comics you know yeah but yeah three was not good but james franco is i'm sorry sean james franco is doing the uh the graduation like i think it's today i heard the commercial on on npr well you know the whatever you want to call it I heard it's he's not gonna, a commercial but he's gonna badmouth all the graduates after he's done <laughs> they're like join the class of you know the graduating class of 2012 at the university of texas at arlington featuring james franco <laughs> you guys suck and i hate being here yeah where's Thanks my weed <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna make like a goblin bomb joke but no. uh, he's like oh, <laughs> yeah i i don't know man it's it'd be like in rushmore that speech that bill murray gives <laughs> oh god that's awesome nice pull i've just seen that recently nice. uh, that was actually pretty good but uh, also, now that I think about it, I don't think I quoted the the Blazing Saddles thing quite right either. So, yeah. I think I'm it's excuse me while I put this out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, sorry. I think it is. Yeah. Anyway. And also related to disco, I read that uh, XKCD. It was an old XKCD the other day. And, and it's uh, three panels, black and white, real kind of uh, Shell Silverstein, real hairy kind of looking <laughs> sketch. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. all the little marks all over that look like pig pen marks. I love those books when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, it has the, the stick figure, and he's like, um, it's from the Telltale Heart. And he's like, ever since I murdered Daft Punk and buried them beneath the floorboards. And then the next scene, he's like holding his head, and he's like, I can't get it out of my head. And then, and then the, the final panel, he's like collapsed on the floor. And, and from underneath the floor, it's going. I'm willing to bet those guys bleed beats. You know, I mean, just just crazy, awesome beats. Those guys just. Audra with the red drawer for reference there. The cat's heartbeat. Really? <laughs> My car is, but cooler. Cooler. <laughs> well, the uh, the new the new Spider Man. I think it's the Amazing Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. time uh, Which looks really opens good. Opens July third. Right. They have they've changed 
the inception of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they, well, they, he no longer gets bitten by a radioactive bug What? Oh, in this one. Uh, he's, in fact, it's not even a spider. Yeah. <laughs> he gets bit on the neck by a Care Bear. Yeah. <laughs> Purity <laughs> Bears, come out of nowhere, bite him on the ass, and suddenly... Well, I remember when the first movie came out, there was a lot of like speculation as to whether he was going to naturally create web or whether he was going to have... Because in the comics, now, I'm not a Spider-Man comic guy at <laughs> that all. That ain't web. <laughs> but in the, in, the, in the comics, it was both at different yeah. times. He had a, a little device on right? his wrist and like a little atomizer that he squished in his palm and he would spray web sometimes and then sometimes it was yeah natural i think so the device is cooler way. i think web is really disgusting if that was organic like it was in the movie kind of cool kind of cool yeah no yeah. it's gross i'm just like it's snot i don't want snot you know? she was fine till the damn disco dancing yeah well this one looks pretty good it, it looks and i have only seen the trailer and i've read nothing else about it so if there are other educated super educated people on this let me know but uh, it looks like he was engineered that way uh by his father uh, or at least they imply that in the the trailer yeah who is no longer with us by the time the movie happens interesting that's a cool premise uncle ben um, comes back from the dead <laughs> So it looks like it's a genetic engineered Spider-Man. His, his father. With a rabid yeah. Care Bear. Yeah, and they talk about his father, and it's a big plot twist in there. It looks that like is awesome. From the trailer. I'm making no assumptions other than what I've seen from yeah. the trailer. And becomes yeah. a sister wife. <laughs> <laughs> sister wife. But yeah, that's that's what it looks like. And there's a bunch of, of cool stuff with it. The webbing looks really good. Um, he's smart enough, or smart-ass enough to be Peter Parker. Uh, so it it looked pretty good. I was interested in it. I had zero interest in it before the trailer, and was super interested in it after the trailer. So uh, it and also uh, you can see the trailer if you've seen the new Avengers movie. It's at the front end. So uh, looks really great. Yeah, I missed it because you know we were catching the early showing and had to like run in at the last second. And sure. Yeah. But you know what I did see that I was blown away by was the Prometheus trailer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Audra was like. <laughs> I, I came into the theater and I'm like, hey, do you want anything from concessions? You want a bottle of water or something? Chuck's like, no, no, I'm okay. And I'm like, all right. So we settle in. And then I realized. And then the, the preview start and Chuck, Chuck leans over. He's like, hey, do you do you still mind getting that stuff? And I'm like, sure, no problem. You know, and I leave. And I you come back. Prometheus trailer I, I come on. back in and Chuck's like, oh my God, I just saw the most awesome Prometheus trailer. And I'm like. I, mean, I felt awful, but. And then they showed a trailer for like, you know, rub salt on the wound yeah. anyway. <laughs> then the next trailer that I got to see was like Spy Kids 12 or something. You guys saw different trailers than I did, I guess, because all, all the trailers I saw were all for action movies, except no. for Brave. Well, that's interesting because the four o'clock one uh, was, was the probably the kids show as much as anything. It's the screaming baby. Yeah, there was a screaming baby. <laughs> but, <like>, why? <laughs> Why must you do You know, this? I felt like I couldn't say anything because the guy was like, he, he would let the baby scream for like maybe 30 or 40 seconds and then leave. Yeah. So he was like trying to see if he could calm the baby down yeah, and when he couldn't, yeah. he left with he, him. So he I, I'm not going to bitch about that. You know, it's like they're doing their best. I don't know. <laughs> and the old guy I, behind I us kept that. falling asleep. That was funny though. Yeah. <laughs> when there was this real quiet spot, <laughs> yeah. we hear this. <laughs> yeah. like, was that and i turned around I and there's, this, was. Yeah. there's this old guy who looked like david crosby and he was like asleep in his chair and he was there by himself riveted I'm, to the movie are you sir <laughs> he was trying you know i know <laughs> and it was chuck's like 420 happy, showing so giving everybody the like, benefit of the doubt they were trying you're saying it was a 420 showing so it wasn't the movie that put him to sleep <laughs> no i'm saying that uh <laughs> was david crosby herbs. <laughs> maybe Think it really about was it. david crosby goes to see movies at 420 you, you know? do yeah, well, barely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Grandpa Simpson. I'm not old. <laughs> he like Pretty falls much. asleep. Mid-sense. Things cost more. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I I would have. You know, I I'm not a. I'm old. I'm not a line guy. Uh, stay up in line. I get up at six in the morning. I fall asleep around eleven. 10, 11, midnight. If they had latest. a 6 a.m. showing, I'd, I'd have you are not watched kidding. the crap out of you that. You are not kidding. If there was a 6 a.m. showing, I would have been there. We're it old. was awesome, though. Like, the theater was kind of full, but there were empty seats in it there. It was great. Like, yeah. the, the seats right in front of us were empty. And when we came out of the theater, there was this line going yeah. out of the building for the next showing. Same thing happened to me. I went to the, the big one yeah. down the tollway, and I showed up at 1220. And I did... Did you guys see 3D? No. No. I, we don't need to talk about this now. We'll talk about it later. But... I, I got a whole different, uh, but first of all, the theater was like two thirds full. It was great, but I got a whole different set of, of trailers. It sounds. Oh, like. you were in the 3d one. No, I was not in the three. We I were. wasn't in the 3d one either. Maybe well, the different times. Yeah. Or? They showed the trailer for what's the new like animated thing. With I don't know. The, I was out at concessions. With the person <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that like reanimates the dog. Oh, the Tim Burton one. Yeah. That uh, was, they did. We got that. Huh. I got that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Audra got some water. Audra got water and an awesome coffee drink. That is why I wasn't going <laughs> during, <laughs> during the movie. But um, no, but Prometheus. So I, I was trying to show Audra a trailer. I tried to find it and I showed her a trailer that was similar, but it's the one that's online. June 8th, by the way. Prometheus and, oh, opens. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that the early trailer was good, but it's very much like it's kind of, I don't know. Pat is the best way to say it. Like it's like it it tells you very like quick. You can't tell its gender. People just say lines. They say they don't show. They tell everything in it. Like they're like, we're gonna go to this planet. We're looking for life. <laughs> we haven't rendered the planet yet, so we'll just say we're gonna go to this planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's still in the machines right now. It's in the queue. <laughs> chica, chica. Oh my god! god something bad just happened. <laughs> but we can't show you because it's not yeah. rendered yet. Yeah. No, but it was very much like it, like very clear, good, bad. You know what was. The one they showed in the theater was very similar. Oh yeah, but but it was so much more like complex. Like it wasn't like here's some good guys, here's some bad guys. Here's what it was more like. You could never really tell who was good or bad or what was happening or why. And it was awesome. It was the same story, but the way they told it. And I got to tell you, okay, I love the alien movies, but I don't want to watch them. You know, they're not fun to watch for me. I'm I'm not into that sort of thing. They are great movies, you know, and, and once every now and then, like when we rewatched them for, for here, that was good. It was good to see them again. It's not one of those you know? Saturday afternoon, I'll just flip it on. And no. I'll just put this how. on in the background and yeah, chill out. It's yeah. not one of those. I got to tell you, but like if I'm going to go in, it's like my horror movie. You know, I, I think maybe people enjoy <laughs> But for me, like I watched that, there's a, I could tell this movie, it felt I felt like I felt when I watched the original ones when I was a kid, like when I'd sneak out and they'd be on late at night and it creeps you. When you saw the Prometheus trailer. Yeah. Because I was watching it and I'm like, wow, this looks, this is a really good story. The music was scary. It creeps me the hell out. From the concession stand. As it should be. Yeah. Creeped (laughs) Audra. She wasn't even in the I saw a similar, I saw a similar trailer (laughs) online on a, you know, a four inch screen this morning. Yeah, yeah, teasing you. Wasn't the same, but, <laughs> but man, I you know the four inches, forty feet. You know, this is a first of all, Ridley Scott definitely it it has Ridley Scott written all mm-hmm. over it. You know how Blade Runner creeps you out? 
it's 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 interesting because it's this view of the future and it, it's exploring these interesting things but it just you don't watch it all i don't anyway because it just creeps you the hell out really i never had that problem with blade runner you know I, man it does me it's I had that problem with a lot of movies but blade runner wasn't one of them. it creeps me out but not to that extent i i don't know yeah they're you know you're just looking at your future you know can you frack it you know it is really creepy and Ridley Scott is very good at the at the corporate future, like the idea mm-hmm. of what happens when when the companies run things. When and, and everybody <laughs> likes to make step one, make them people under the law. <laughs> well, I was going to say step every, two, alien. I was going to say everybody likes to you know crack on that because you know it is. I see the reason. You know, there's a reasoning that you have to be able to handle the interactions of these. So under the law. They're not treated like people. They're treated like entities that can act like that can be sued like people and that can do business like people in some ways and so on. But but you're right. The trick is what happens if you really do start treating them that way, like people, not just in a few legal senses, but you really do. If if they if we become too dependent on that, what happens? And Ridley Scott is like this. This is what happens. You know, Blade Runner and Alien and. Maybe that's why it creeps me out. Maybe it's not the aliens and the dark and the music. Maybe it's the damn corporate future that creeps me out. I don't know. Like, what if Apple runs the world, you know? It it'd be like alien, a, but white and shiny. It'd be a run on turtlenecks. And- <laughs> Reminds me of Margaret Cho joking about, like, who are the real people to be scared of, you know? She's like, people are always like, watch out, you know, walking through that that rundown part of the city, you know? And she's like, I no. don't worry about that. No. She's like, I walk down Wall Street and I'm freaked that out. Is, like, sir. that's where the criminals are. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you looking over my shoulder. Kidding. <laughs> you are not kidding. They don't steal your wallet. They don't steal your car. They steal your future. Yeah. There's a, there's yeah. yeah. Way scarier. You know? Futures. <laughs> but I just got that complex feeling that really Scott is so famous for. The reason Blade Runner is often listed as, as one of the best movies of all time, you know, is because it is such a confluence of yeah, like. Yeah, it captures that. Cinematography that and story and character and, and you know, and acting and everything, you know, it's just wrapped in a design wrapper, you know? Yeah. And like you do a man, it's it's tough. I don't know if this is going to be on that level or anything, but it's, it's more so than a lot of other things. Everything just really pointed to the same place. And I was, well, it's definitely hotly anticipated. Uh, I, I haven't seen fervor like this since they did the one with, uh, uh, God, the, the one with Winona Ryder, um, aliens is, yeah, is it was a four? Alien versus I, I, Predator. I can't remember. Or no, three or four. No, she wasn't in that one. But the when when they did the, the oh Alien three. That's yeah, yeah it was three. Alien yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when they did the Winona Ryder one and they brought Ridley back as as not Ripley. Ridley or Ripley. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, Wrigley. Yeah, Wrigley. <laughs> Give her some gum. Womp womp. Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> <laughs> How's that naming doing for you, John? <laughs> nice callback. Yeah. That was like podcast 10 or something. I don't think awesome. I'm capable of doing a cast where I get the names right. Uh, but they they bring Ripley back and, and it was, people were kind of disappointed. Not on the level of like, I don't know, Terminator 4, but yeah. they were upset. Yeah. You know? And then you, you know, the further down the line, this one has got that kind of hype though. It's got the, Everybody's really excited about it and hoping nothing bad happens because everything about it looks awesome. I was listening to the uh, Nerdist Writers podcast, uh, and I forget who it was. Uh, and this is embarrassing as hell because it was a really famous person. But the person that, that had, had worked on it or something was talking about uh, or, or someone was talking about the connection between these various movies and 
Uh, and they were talking about the, um, oh, was it Linloff? Is he, did he work on? Damon Linloff? Yeah. Did he work on that? I, anyway. I on, no on what? On, on Prometheus? Prometheus? Yeah, he did. I think that was it. Um, I'll just look him for me. You're awesome. I, but he was talking about how, uh, is this a prequel or is it not? And, and he was saying it depends on what prequel means to you because the term has never been clearly defined, you know, in terms of like, he said the, the term really came into vogue when you have, when, when, you know, the, the, the star Wars movies came out, the new ones, uh, because they are, they are clearly, but if you, if by that definition, he said the trick with a prequel is that it, 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 you know how it ends. You know, he feels like for his definition, it's like, you know how it ends. Like you, you start and you know that at some point you're going to plug into this existing thing. And, and what's important is how you get there. Yeah. Damon Lindelof yeah. and John Spates. Yeah. Yeah. It was him. That is an awesome uh, podcast. If you don't, even if you don't listen to that stuff, man, just go get that one because it's really entertaining. And uh, if you give a damn about writing, he talks about story and how things connect and what's really cool. But he was saying that, you know, it it's supposed to take place in that universe. And uh, he was less concerned with like making it uh, he wanted he wanted to be able to surprise the audience, you know, and and uh, for him, that meant some certain things. And you should listen to him and what he has to say about it. But listening to him excited me even more about it, you know, because he, he clearly had some direction to go with it. Well, and, and it's actually pretty easy to do that because they were super shady about how this whole situation came about and how they knew that, you know, the aliens were there and, and all that stuff. So there's, and the, the company, you know, I'm using the ending quote, the company has never really answered what, what, what happened or what was going on. Just they've hinted it. There has been prior knowledge that yeah these life forms exist and that they've had contact with them before. So, it's not the first time we poked the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of room in there. It's not like put them in the suit, you know. Yeah. Put them in the yeah. suit. I want to see them in the suit, you know. Cause it's, Absolutely, yeah. It's not. There's yeah. a wide range of stuff they can do here. They no. really haven't. Yeah. They haven't. There hasn't been that moment. You're not looking for that because the first moment you really care about with that is meeting Ripley. You know, that's the first time the, you know, the quote unquote main character is going to be involved. So you're not there. Well, there's some star power in in that in Prometheus. Oh too. my God! Yeah. yeah, Charlize Theron, Michael Fassbender's in it. Yeah, Guy Pierce. You could just tell too. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, that second trailer like up the up the ante as much for me up you know my excitement as the first one did. So I, I'm I'm gonna go see it, and I don't even that's not even my kind of movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stuff, we're gonna go see. Uh, Brave. Oh, the guy who played Heimdall is in it. Idris who? Elba. Oh, nice. The guy who played Heimdall in Thor is going to be in Prometheus. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, no, the uh, Brave coming out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is From Pixar's. the people who brought you every movie you've enjoyed yeah. animated in the last four years. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, try 10 or 15. Yeah, or yeah whatever totally. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. They do that in the, tra- in the trailer. They're yeah, like. They haven't released anything that everybody hasn't wanted to see and has become, you know, like Disney used to claim an instant classic. Pixar actually does that. They don't claim. They're just like, yeah, we made those. We're making this. Just yeah. come. Yeah. Pixar actually could claim it and don't. Yeah. I mean, that's because they do it because they do that every <laughs> time and yeah. they, you wind up having to, to go see it. So brave is Pixar's last one. Uh, this one's focusing on family. Uh, that's the oh, big thing. Oh, I got to see this. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. It, uh, it's the main character's cute. 
Yeah, it's a uh, focus on the Scottish culture. Uh, the the main character is a... Um, I'm not sure she's a princess, because I don't think they have those in Scotland, but she is a no, the daughter of a noblewoman who is uh, going to be married off soon. And I, I bought in when they were like, they had the uh, people like competing for her hand in marriage or whatever. Yeah, and she's like, I'm I'll gonna shoot go- for my own hand. Yeah. <laughs> and wins. And Robin Hood's an arrow. You're like, awesome. Don't you, her mother's over there, don't you release that arrow. And she just looks over and just... <laughs> and let's go and Robin Hood's the other one so yeah uh, she, she wins, wins the her competition. she's like I win my own hand so I'm nothing- gonna decide what I want to do Piss for myself so, <laughs> nothing changes there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, there's uh, it has to do with uh, there's some magic in the woods there's uh, also a a giant grizzly uh, in the woods that apparently she takes a shot off at uh, there's also, I, if you look in the trailer and, and freeze frame it, there's also a bear who's happy and follows her around. So I don't know <laughs> if it's the same bear, uh, or what, but, uh, there's, but this one's about family. So this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's Wally, Wally was about friendship up was about, you know, un, unexpected life, uh, the, you know, the way it, it treats you. And I mean, there's, there's always a, a thing, you know, Ratatouille being my favorite cause it was about what makes an artist. This is the is this the first post original plan Pixar flick? Yeah, it's one of the first. Uh, it's the first completely new one. Um, there was uh, a couple, and they tell you this a little bit, uh, and some of them uh, about like Wally and stuff like that, where there were a couple meetings, and those meetings they hashed out a bunch of ideas for movies. Uh, you know, the first meeting got you Toy Story and Bugs Life, and you know a couple of the others. Uh, Wally being the outside of that meeting, uh, a couple people, you know, moved on some, you know, one or two died, uh, from yeah. the original group. And That's this bad. one is the first one that Pixar's done that wasn't in one of those, any of those peripheral meetings. It wasn't on the napkin. It was, yeah, napkin it was, it was not on a napkin at the beginning. It was not on anybody's radar. They came up with it post all of that. So this is one of the first that they just decided to do. I mean, even after, you know, the nastiness where they, for a little bit there, they were maybe not going to be connected to Disney as hard or, or all that kind of stuff. Um, this is one of those. It's completely their baby. I don't think uh, it's going to be any different than, than any of the others. From everything I've seen and read, it's going to be spectacular. It like looks it awesome. Um, and I love the how her hair moves in the trailer. It's, oh, it's so great. Cool. It's just got that tangled mess. Not to yeah. confuse it with the other tangled, but it's just this mass of unruliness. Ever that, since tangled hair has not been an issue, yeah, anymore. Yeah, you know well, it's funny. Whenever yeah. they do movies about um, the Scottish, it always ends up being like, uh, you know, warriors and dragons, and so they have like Braveheart, and then there's Dragonheart, and then there's how to train your dragon. Art. And now we're back to brave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, we only have like three words that we can use. We only do three things. <laughs> we, like three we, eat, we laugh and we kill things. The Scottish <laughs> movie name generator. Yeah. It's like yeah. random combinations <laughs> of dragon, heart, heart and, and brave. brave. <laughs> yeah. It also dragon works. Brave. <laughs> <laughs> brave dragon. Heart dragon. <laughs> They'll just buck the trend one day. They'll come out it. This month, coming soon, haggis. You know? <laughs> I was so I married the Scottish an movie you've never seen. You know? Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, there's there's never been a bad Pixar movie. I don't think they're going to start now. 
I want to see a movie about Scottish culture that focuses on like something completely unexpected, like you know, sweater folding or you know, I don't know, like like Scots who you know write code or something, you know. (laughs) You know the uh, um, the, speaking of so I married an axe murderer. The uh, Seth Green was on the Nerdist podcast this last week or the week before. Uh, very recently. And, and he mentioned in this one point that I thought was really interesting. He mentioned how um, at the time that uh, the, the role came up for him in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, oh crap, what's the, 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 the big recovery movie for um, what the hell is wrong with me? I don't know. I can't say can you names. Give us more so, clues uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, can we scoop this? My brain isn't working. From so I married an axe murderer. The main, you know, um, was on Saturday Night Live. Mike Myers. Yeah, Mike Myers. What? What was Austin his? Austin Powers. Yes, Austin Powers. When the Austin Powers role came up for Seth Green, he had this. His option at the time was a role in the Carrot Top movie. Now, the funny thing is... Well, he made the right choice. Yes, but he was pointing out how at the time, and this is what's so funny, you know, is that at the time, uh, Caratop had just had this big revival and was doing really well and was really popular, and people were... That's why they were going to make this movie with him. And Mike Myers had kind of... Was at a low point and had just done So I Married an Axe Murderer, which had a cult following later, but at the time flopped in the theater. yeah. And uh, and they were going to do Austin Powers, and nobody believed in it at the time. And he was like, I don't know. He had agreed, so he was like, well, you know, I'll just go. I'll, I'll do this. I had agreed to do it. I'll go do this. And he goes and does it. And of course, they never made the Carrot Top movie, or if they did, I don't remember. And you know, Austin Powers went over the top, and of course, Seth Green's role in it was yeah awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, and every and from there he went to stuff like uh, everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, just. Just incredible stuff. I mean, he's, you but it what, works out. You yeah. know what Caratop looks like? I, I can't remember if it's in a video game or, or like, sort of like the jackals in Halo. Now. You know the jackals in Halo? They they have almost like a human lizard kind of body where they, they look <laughs> human, but they're like super ripped. They're tiny and wiry. Like they're small framed and super wiry, but they've right. got like bulging biceps and pecs and they're, right. they're kind of gross looking. Mm. And then they've got these like um, creepy heads pterodactyl yeah they're like pterodactyl heads that have been kind of stuck onto a human-esque body right that's what caratop looks like (laughs) except he's had so many plastic surgery mishaps and everything he just he looks scary you know it just i didn't know that oh yeah i know what uh what i love about about seth green is that he's a true geek remember when we were talking about um about how what really makes the makes geeks in a lot of senses that they're creators I mean, he was talking about, and it's funny because you see Seth Green in all kinds of stuff. He's in like blockbuster movies and web video stuff and, and robot he, chicken, robot chicken. And he just does all the, mm-hmm. he was saying that, you know, you, you get into this and obviously you need to make money and you do what you're doing. He's like, but, but what's really drives you in life is getting together with your friends and making things. He's like, cause the, the question I think was, why did you do this web video thing? This so he's like, because I love doing, making things with my friends. And you're like, Damn, that's awesome. Was the connection know? to Seth Green the Scottish character in Austin Powers? No, it was the connection from So I Married an Axe Murderer, which I made a, a joke about because the haggis. And then oh. and then that <laughs> triggered the story in my mind when he like chose one over the other. I'm sorry. I was thinking about Mike Myers' like, that's Scottish Audra character. For, why the hell are we talking <laughs> no, about I, Seth Green? I, I was I mean, wondering if on. it had to do with Mike Myers' character in... Uh, his Scottish <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah. Get in my belly. <laughs> Head. 
No, I, I just, yeah, anyway. Because I, I agree with that. It's like one of those things where there's something just super awesome about making things with your friends. I think that's, I mean, that's why, I think one of the big reasons why we podcast, you know? It's just fun making things with your friends, you know? Yeah. 500 cast, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a few of them. Anyway, the... Uh, I don't, and I don't want to like take away from anybody else's stuff here, but um, I guess, you know, the other thing that was fun is uh, I, I was listening to, of all people, uh, Kevin Smith with one of his podcasts. I'm not, I, I don't listen regularly all the time, but he said something that I thought was really cool too, because he had always been a big believer in go make your own movies. You know, he was the guy that was like, look, yeah, well, he's you know, done it a few times. Yeah. He's like, look, just go do it. Don't, don't read and talk, go do it. Yeah, you know? quit bitching and, and he pointed out that, that he, it's funny cause he's no longer saying that anymore. Now he's saying, go make your own podcast. And I, I just, I, I totally agree with the sentiment. He's like, you know, we used to say that about movies. He's like, but movies, even with the new technology, they're kind of hard. You yeah, know, it's, it's expensive. You know, you got to really, there's a lot you got to learn and there's a lot of stuff. He's like, anybody can do a podcast and he's right. And it doesn't mean it's going to be good, you know, or that anybody will listen to it. But, but you can make one. But what's really awesome is how uh, you can, and, and back to Seth Green talking about this, he was saying, you know, only if, even if only a few people listen to it, you're into that, you know? And that's what's so great about it is that you can do a podcast. It scales perfectly. You have a chance to create. Yeah. Even if you and a couple of your friends make a podcast and your 20 friends listen to it and get a kick out of it, that's fun. And you're, the whole creative process and fun is there, you know? Whereas with a, it doesn't work that way as much with movies. So Yeah. It's quite a bit more expensive to make Well, movies. and also movies are, are a much larger collaborative effort you need a lot more friends yeah to, to yeah, make a movie even a crappy movie yeah. and very few people have you know friends that will work with them in that capacity for free that yeah. that for for <laughs> virtually free yeah. that have all the kind of skills that you need to make a movie you know yeah. and the more like people if, if you you know do i know someone who knows how to do video and sound and lighting and costuming and makeup and acting and voice and narrative and production and well uh, and when it's a friend, and <laughs> when it's a friend project, yeah. and it's a uh, a non paid, especially yeah, if it's a non paid yeah. thing, uh, you start to get well. Who put you in charge? And why do I have to do that? And I want to do this, and I should be a director. And I, you know, and sounds the whole like the thing, Avengers. <laughs> yeah, and it just it just kind of falls. No, apart. I mean, they have that they have that argument yeah. in the oh, Avengers. Yeah. There was a, an important piece of news that uh, that we wanted to mention this week, which was uh, the loss of Joel Goldsmith. Yeah. Joel Goldsmith, um, who was just in his 50s, but uh, he was the composer who's written all of the uh, Stargate themes and not the theme for the uh, the Stargate movie that was adapted, but but all the main themes for SG-1 and Atlantis. And uh, he's the son of Jerry Goldsmith, who did the Star Trek theme. Yeah, and uh, he worked on, uh, Joel worked on uh, on First Contact and just... I mean, everything, all of Stargate, SG-1 Atlantis, Universe Continuum, Arc of Truth, um, just everything. This guy, if you if you are a sci-fi fan, you're into Stargate or Trek or any of that, you have heard his stuff for a long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I was really sad when I heard about that because... I know that um, that family has just made a long-lasting influence in the music of science fiction. Yeah. And he was just a pretty young guy, you know, to to be gone so soon. So it was kind of a bummer. Just 
knowing that some of my favorite music, Chuck and I have been doing a rewatch of Atlantis yeah. recently. We're in season one right now. And, um, and you know, Joel Goldsmith passed away just within the last week, but we had been watching for a couple of weeks and I just thought, God, like singing the theme I, I have forgotten how amazing this music is and how just it's orchestral, you know, it's film quality. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, Kind of that sort of news. Uh, MCA from the Beastie Boys died uh, May 4th. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, born in 1964. And he was, of course, the one of the founding members of the Beastie Boys, MCA. And he passed away the 4th. Um, so that 46, 47, something wow. like that. Wow. Yeah. What happened? Do you know? I don't. Um, I was just looking to see if I could find real quick. Uh, but uh, nobody's really saying. Or, I, you know, the article I popped up didn't really say how he died just that he died um, but uh yeah that was i was kind of depressed you know it's funny i i've never been like a huge beastie boys fan but i feel I like was. you I always got to respect it <laughs> well you feel like with i mean yeah i listened to some you know and in high school come on you know for me not yeah it was right in the middle you know you had to listen to it but I feel like whether it's the thing that I want to listen to all the time or not, I feel like it's it, it it's one of those acts that just had a huge influence on the future of music, you know? Yeah. Well, even Kid Rock claims that Beasties were an influence. Well, yeah. You know? Totally. I mean, that's so, pretty, I think that's pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah, I mean, super I obvious. Really you know? I was a super big Beastie Boys fan until I heard Devil Without a Cause and then... <laughs> But, I, I had this funny kind of memory, Chuck, when you were talking about Beastie Boys in high school, because I know when you were in high school, and I remember um, when I was about seven, I remember some older kids, you know, teenagers in high school are singing, you gotta fight, turn it, oh, yeah. for your right, turn it, to party. And I remember as a seven-year-old hearing that for the first time, and I, I specifically remember thinking, that's not very musical. Because <laughs> it, I was like, Hunter's like, it's not a right you have to party. No, it wasn't the the content. It was the fact <laughs> it's that they weren't. They didn't seem to be singing to me. It was like they were yelling, and I'd never heard music that was on the radio that people thought it, like treated like music that was kind of people yelling. And I I recognized that it was fun and that it had a good beat and it was cool. But I just remember thinking, wow, I've never heard anything like that with people just sort of shouting. This like party music, you know, <laughs> works out though. You ever, yeah, that, absolutely, and and there's more to it. Of you course, ever had that moment though where you realize what makes like a, an artist or a, a you know a person that's famous for some kind of art what makes them that way, and you're just an instant fan, whether it's your thing or not, you know, like. Oh yeah. Like I was thinking about like for me like like with Seth Green, it was it was seeing him on. Uh, uh, and I know there are other things too, but like seeing him on, uh, on punked, you remember that you, yeah. and I, you and I were watching it and, and the episode er- where they punked him and he actually was really cool about Just it. Actually, but not even that the whole time he never, ever got angry. He never like, flipped out and he never nothing the whole time he was just like man it's okay it's gonna be all right you know? <laughs> man it's okay <laughs> yeah and you're just like wow uh you know with kid rock i kid rock I, I actually get off on listening to kid rock sometimes but but it's not my thing normally but i saw that you know i saw that shot on mtv of him like on a stage for 45 minutes or an hour with just a guitar entertaining troops and it's it just the and fact he sounded that, so good i mean just, he's, he's a really good musician he's an entertainer from hell that's yeah. all there is to it whether you're into his particular thing you just gotta respect what that does, you're like wow yeah, yeah you know every, it's it's one of those things you know you just have that moment you're like 
Damn. I don't know. Props achieved. <laughs> Achievement <laughs> unlocked. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I normally, after a movie, you know, you kind of want to talk about it a little bit, but I've wanted to talk about this so bad and we couldn't because we really needed to like hang on to it to some extent and we didn't. You know, Audrey and I talked about it. You and I, I know, we saw it last it night. We saw the Avengers last night and we've been wanting to talk about it constantly. I've had four hours worth of conversations with people about Avengers and I saw it yesterday at noon. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's that good. I just, God, it was so much fun. I had more fun in that movie. It was I fun. See it again. And there was. Uh, one of the first things we commented on was how Joss Whedon's humor came through just perfectly. I would have never really guessed fit. that that would fit as well as it did. I I am used to like funny one-liners in in comic book movies and and the fun you know Stark does a bunch of those. Yeah, you know, he's real good at them. The amount and the the where they came from in this movie I and mean, the value of them. Yeah, I mean you know? just the the Hulk whack-a-mole scene oh. right there. You just I. A, didn't expect it. No. And B, it was so damn funny. I, I, I didn't hear the next, I don't know, three, four lines of the movie after that because the, the entire theater was just busting out laughing. I was, I was telling Andre this. It's like the boss battle in a movie. You always expect it's got to be this big, you know, build up and like and then and then like, you know, kind of like release and, and, and it has to be a big. And here it was just like. You know, he put the Hulk in a room with him. <laughs> he addresses this totally, you know, Whedon addresses this totally differently than anybody else does. And yet it works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just to look at that, looking at him and then whack, 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 whack. You're just like, <laughs> he goes all are you going to explain style. what you're the Loki? Right. I mean, but should, I mean, are you, are you, you being, are the you scene? Being... We could, I mean, totally. Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 uh, I wasn't sure if you're being vague to like keep people from spoiling on it or uh, Audra, we're, we're clear this whole to spoil. Thing is a spoiler. It's fine. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. It's cool. Um, I, I was, obviously I'm talking about the scene where, where Loki is defeated, right? Where I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. There's the, the, the hero of this one for me was the Hulk. I don't think I've ever been as happy or as pleased with the Hulk on screen ever oh the hulk stole the show as in this movie it was so much fun yeah i felt like the hulk was kind of the star of the movie oh yeah and that maybe they didn't set out for that to be the obvious case but man well because you go in thinking okay it's going to be cap or stark that's what i went in thinking it's going to be cap or stark i'm wondering how centric this is going to be for you know either one of these and they were there and they were important everybody was important but for me this was the best the Hulk's ever been on screen. Yeah, I gotta, I, I, you know, I gotta say, I, I was concerned about the Edward Norton replacement because Ed, Ed Norton made this thing, made the Hulk real for the first time. You know, right. kind of like not, not because he did a really good job. Yeah, with it. yeah. But Ruffalo was a hundred percent better. I yeah. thought 
And and you know we talked. I I think my my opinion is that the reason he's so much better is that Edward Norton just, you know, you know how you look at a car and you say it looks like it's going a hundred miles an hour while it's sitting still, you know? Yeah. Because it's just everything about it is fast. And Edward Norton, like everything about him, is aggressive. And like intense, his, you know? his angular features, and he's like, yeah, he's tense and aggressive, and he can't turn it off because it's what he is, you know. And and I I feel like the way Ruffalo was able to turn it off, set the Hulk in a whole new light, you know, something I'd never really thought about. Well, I was, uh, you know, I didn't know for sure either how it was going to work out, but the casting I think worked out well because Mark Ruffalo, I think is more known for his roles in like romantic comedies (laughs) and, you know, he's very cute. He's kind of a gentle, he's got a gentle kind of presence. He has an easy way about him that you kind of start to trust him whether you should or not. Yeah. And, one thing I loved about the way they the, of his Bruce Banner is that he always looked a little rumpled. Yeah. Like he, and he had some gray in his hair that I think might have been added. And he looked always just a little bit like he hadn't quite shaved and his clothes were kind of ill-fitting and they looked sort of like scratchy. Like, you know, and he was always kind of wringing his hands or, or not really wringing them, but sort of rubbing them. Like, yeah. there, like there was this constant kind of... Uh, calming effect of like rubbing his hands together or something and not in a villainous way but you know just like a preoccupied way and and you see how really intelligent and and really you know even stark says finally someone who speaks english you know is who, that what that was who can speak in his scientific scientific awesome. language and then am i the only you, one who did the reading tell me that didn't yeah, you? <laughs> yeah that was funny and uh yeah because pepper makes him um <laughs> with, with like since like like serious motivation to do so um but yeah like banner he's this brilliant scientist but he's not an over-the-top anything and that's what i think was so awesome about it is he's not an over-the-top scientist he's not an over-the-top you know genius like stark or anything he's he's a super bright guy who's really understated and just kind of rumpled you know and what makes him so cool is the stuff that they don't really show off until the end and and that's that's you know you're absolutely right what's i think the reason that he is able to bring the hulk to life and set him in context so well is that you know the hulk is the most powerful character in the movie yeah by far and i didn't know that until i saw at the end how quickly he can move and he can i mean he can jump from building to building and i mean it's just nothing uh, yeah, like, in the comics he can he's jump into unstoppable orbit. Yeah. he can he can't die he you know yeah. And that's it. You know, uh, Sean and I were kicking this around this morning. It's really funny that, you know, you got to be careful with certain words like indestructible for real indestructible. Like if you have an indestructible object and I'm like, I picked up a kitchen timer and I'm like, even if it's this, you know, if there's a truly indestructible object, the world changes, you know, that changes everything. And, and if it happens to be a person, that's even right. even crazy. Because it's part of the laws you know? of physics that you can't yeah. really destroy matter. You can only change its form. Right. And with him... You can't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> it is a truly indestructible thing that happens to be strong to the point of, of absurdity. Well, that gets, depending on which comics that you read, that gets stronger in direct relation to the amount of force applied to it. So the yeah. more you try and hurt him, the stronger he is. It's just one of those... I. I I love the fact that he is far and away the most powerful character there. 
The others are weak compared to him. And he's the calmest. He has to and, be. Yeah, he has to be. Because exactly. if he's not, the whole the world will be over. When you know? when Banner admitted to basically trying to kill himself at one point, yeah. that just it was like it was kind of chilling and just man. I mean, yeah. everybody in the theater just had rapt attention on what wow. he was saying because he doesn't talk a lot, no. and when he does, no. he only says really important things. Well, and it's punctuated by how intense that it is that he's like, yeah, you know, everybody's talking about how dangerous he is, and you know, what should we do with him, and you know, we should just do this. And he's like, look, I've already tried to take care of this. You know, I put a bullet in my mouth, he spit it back out. You know, I can't fix it. You guys can't fix it. Okay, there's, you know, in Stark, you know, just five or 20 minutes earlier or something like that is sticking him with a rod, you know, just to see it. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> a little taser. And he like looked at his eyes real close. Like, <laughs> he's like, ooh, ooh, are you in there? You know? Yeah, I, I think I could handle be sharp objects. It's, it's not a not a big deal, man. I have so much admiration for him, though, the way that he just controls himself. It's awesome, you know? Oh, that, the moment where he, he literally is like, you want to know my secret? I'm always angry. And you realize, and that look that Ruffalo manages to get just right, that's acting brilliance. When you see yeah, that he that, really is calm and angry at the same time. That was Yeah, that know? intensity. And there was something, you know, not quite as important, but the way that he talked, like Ruffalo actually affected this kind of way of talking almost through his teeth a little bit. Like, yeah. Uh, almost uh, almost like Jeff Goldblum did in, in Jurassic Park, that kind of thing where he kept his mouth almost closed all the time when he was speaking. And you know what I mean? Like he didn't open his mouth very much when he made words. And Ruffalo doesn't normally speak like that. So I, I thought it was really cool that he he really, really affected this character. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it wasn't just it wasn't just the dialogue that was written for him. It wasn't just who the Hulk is like Ruffalo himself really, really deserves a lot of the credit. I think for bringing that to life. Cause a lot of times it's yeah. just amazing writing. Yeah. Well, and looking back on it now to understand how much control he's in and, you know, like uh, when he was being recruited by black widow, you know, he's first of all, they came light. Okay. <laughs> 50 people with trans guns and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's you, nothing. You came light. But she goes in and, and he hits his hands on the table and you realize that he really is in control and he really did just want to see what she would do. She can't hurt him. There's nothing she or anybody else can do to him. He just wanted to know the and situation. And he wasn't afraid, of obviously, of the gun or anything else. He already knew. He just wanted to know where he stood. Right. Yeah. And uh, wow, that was Played funny. He laughed. He's like, "I'm sorry, that was mean." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, and you thought he was just kind of at first. Yeah. I thought, okay, he's just kind of backing off because he didn't want to get shot. He doesn't care. He no. really was just like, "Yeah, it was kind of mean." Yeah. I liked how they, you know, did take us to some faraway locale, kind of like with the Edward Norton Hulk. Yeah, he really does end up in this, you know, in the middle of India somewhere, trying to just help help people. people. Yeah, it's literally. the only thing he can find, you know, purpose in. If you were you know, you got to wonder how the world would change for you if there was nothing that could threaten you. Like if literally you had no reason to be afraid. Thank God he's the kind of person who wants to help others. Yeah. Thank God he's wow. a nice dude. You yeah. are not kidding. You are not kidding. And stays a nice dude. Yeah. I mean, you could get really bitter about that and blame a whole bunch of people. You could blame your fellow man. You could blame the planet. You could blame all kinds of stuff. And no one could stop you. I mean, that's the scary part. He cannot be stopped. I just had a really weird thought. You know, 
you know, I, I've told that story before about about bungee jumping and how what was weird about it was when you the the adrenaline comes, but after the you need it, so you just stand there and you're experiencing this adrenaline rush while you're standing still, and it's really weird, right? Um, That's a crappy feeling, you know, like the fallout from adrenaline. Oh, fallout afterward, yes, yeah. but during it's it's amazing. I imagine, you know, I don't know, but it it's it it's it's wild, you know. But I was just thinking, um, the reason I mentioned is I I think, you know, Joss Whedon has been fa- is famous for this thing like where he takes he gives you a scene that brings out a really strong emotion and then makes you experience it differently by switching it up very quickly. You know, obviously like yeah. the wash moment, yeah. you know, which is the famous one, you know, where you're like horrified while something else happens. And I think that that moment, that reveal with um, that reveal with the Hulk when he looks at you and he's like, he's like, I'm always angry. And that moment is so special. I remember feeling kind of like you get tingles, you know, you're yeah, like, yeah. whoa, at the same time you're getting those tingles, you're watching him destroy this this uh huge metal bad badass snake thing you know that's like a hundred times bigger i don't, don't want to go bigger. to new york last time i went to new york i kind of broke harlem <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like wow you know i mean but that was it i was sitting there still processing that feeling while yeah, i was watching the too. big violent thing that he does and and that's the hulk and that's that's i don't know if you could experience the hulk better than that you know yeah i mean it this was the first movie I thought actually showcased the Hulk as I had always pictured him. You know, this one it's, you get to see that Bruce Banner is actually not just wimpy Bruce Banner and you can't wait till the Hulk comes out. Bruce Banner is every bit as, as worth it as the Hulk. Yeah. I like in the credits how, when they showed Mark Ruffalo's name at the end credits that they showed the glasses. Yeah. Like that was the object that they chose to associate with him. It was awesome. Yeah. Not Hulk fist. No, it was like, (laughs) Hulk hands. And, and, you know, I wanted to mention quickly, a few weeks back on the cast, I had asked, um, you know, about Lou Ferrigno and uh, his voice. And, and I got a, a number of emails. Um, Janet or Bob was the first one to send me an email. And I think Barb, uh, B. Kitty did, a couple other people um, who all kind of let me know that Lou Ferrigno has a hearing impairment, which is not 100%, but almost 100%. It's like right. really um, and, and pretty much has his entire life. So, um, you know, obviously you're going to, it's going to affect the the tone of your voice and everything if you can't hear it uh, coming back to you. But, uh, but Chuck told me, and I didn't know this, that Lou Ferrigno actually voiced the couple of words that the Hulk actually says in this movie and in other live action. Apparently all of them, right? I don't know. I'd heard in, in every live action movie that there's been a Hulk, it's been Lou Ferrigno that voiced it even when it was digital Hulk, you know? I hope I'm not you know, overstepping by uh, speculating on this, but I couldn't help, you know, when I found out about his hearing loss, I wondered if maybe a guy who, who is almost completely deaf can relate a little bit to the kind of frustration that it must take sometimes. I mean, just trying to live in a world that is geared toward hearing people. There's gotta be a level of frustration that he maybe can feel a little bit in common with the Hulk, you know, everyone has their reasons for feeling that kind of anger, but well, let's put it this way. He did such a great job as the Hulk yeah. that, that to replace him required technology that took 30 years to develop. Yeah, <laughs> It's true. That's how cool he was as the Hulk. 
yeah. and a and a number of actors. And it's still he still voices it. <laughs> Yeah. Man, it's pretty cool. Sean mentioned Black Widow uh, when she came to recruit Ruffalo in the middle of India. And I just got to say, I'm really pleased with wow. how Black Widow turned out. I know I've been I've been ranting for weeks. They only about, gave you like two or three Black Widow ass shots that didn't need to be there. Yeah, uh, Actually, I've, I've got a comment on that too. Yeah. Um, but I know I've been ranting for weeks about how Black Widow, you know, is the only female at all the group and how she was shown as basically just a chick in a cat suit with no really overt superhero powers and you know all all the obvious stuff that she kind of was like the sexy one and it it just was annoying but having seen the movie i i was pretty (laughs) impressed i was pretty impressed yeah chug and i were talking about the physicality of the camera you know what's yeah what's what's interesting i hadn't thought about this as clearly and this is audrey and i i can't remember i think it was you that said this but um I just think it's great. You know, what's interesting is, is it's not about the characters not being sexy and it's not about things like showing that off because, you know, putting that group of people, guys and, and, and men and women, they're meant to be, they're meant to be stared at. They're meant to be the kind of person who's going to just make you stare because they are just incredible, incredible people incredibly physically yeah, mentally right. you know ignoring well, that would be wrong you yeah, know it would be a mistake in the theater uh, i was uh i had a gaggle of tweens over here to my right and the minute they showed uh captain america's shoulders from the back yeah you know when he was doing the bag you know they did that shot where they just yeah. kind of came out was and awesome. he had his head down and everything i couldn't hear anything they were just <laughs> screaming ah! <laughs> so I mean there the were there, oh there were just as many moments for them and then uh, all of them were arguing over Star Cap and Thor. Now see this yeah. is it though. What made this kind of different than so many others is that we ogled all of them on camera and right. and they weren't different. Yeah. It wasn't like the women got one or woman or whatever got one and men got the other. It was sort of like like when we saw her you know, there was that shot of Scarlett Johansson's ass, and I'll just go... Okay, there's a scene where she's talking to Loki when right. he's in the glass cage. And <laughs> when she's playing Loki, which is another yeah. beautiful thing and, we need and to talk about. The the camera shot shows her from about the knees up, the rest of her whole body, and she's wearing this very tight black suit, and it shows her from the back. And the way she's lit, you can see like every curve, mm-hmm. every form of her. And, you know... I would disagree. I, I wouldn't say that the camera ogles anybody. The camera shows off yes. their physique That's in a way, yeah, in a way that feels appropriate, um, appropriate to the situation. Like she has an amazing body, you know, and they they show it to you, and they kind of let you stare in a way that makes you feel like it's okay to stare in that shot, because um, it's a good, I don't know, six or eight seconds of of just you know her, and you see Loki kind of off to the left um, in the background. But but yeah, I mean the thing is, so many movies like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Michael Bay because he's known for this. Yeah, Michael Bay's camera work, it ogles women in a way that you feel like the camera is the the manifest eye of a drooling frat boy. The camera itself looks up and down the woman's body and zooms in and out on all her parts. And the camera itself is going, <laughs> you know, wow. and, and it's, it's kind of true. You got to admit. And it's annoying. I don't know if I'd have said it that way, but perhaps. It's a creative oh, way of saying it. I thought that was awesome. You know, take, take an informal poll, ask the hive mind, you know, <laughs> how many how many people have you know have felt that way and i think 
you know, Sean, maybe, maybe it doesn't like jump out at you, but if, I don't know, if you saw it, well, I don't know, there, there might be other situations where it would be easier for you to recognize it, but it feels like the women in Michael I'm Bay. Blind? I'm saying that if the camera was treating men that way for so long in so many different it's ways, true. and it was just considered the normal way to look at women. I'm not debating women, whether it's true. I'm just. I don't know. Oh I, no, I meant the the. I was just thinking about the. I w- that wasn't directed at you. That was directed just at at listeners. You know, I was thinking, you know, the reaction. I think because it's so overtly sexual, the reaction if they overtly sexualized men in that way would be that uh, that that a lot of homophobic guys wouldn't see it. Well, that's true. We just you, walk away. You, that's right, what I thought. That maybe right, exactly. say that. I mean, but, you you drape Megan Fox over a motorcycle and then do a worm eye shot. Exactly. The crawling worm eye yeah. shot. Yeah. Than, yeah. So they did that with a guy, you know. So a lot of people do that, you know. And Michael Bay's kind of one of the worst offenders at that. And you and know, I like the Michael Bay movies. I that it, it, it's just yeah. But but the Michael Bay camera is obviously the eye of a heterosexual guy, you know. And well, there's, there's no doubt there. There's yeah. no doubt, you know. And it was really awesome in Avengers to see a camera that appreciated different physique. And it was almost like a neutral kind of eye that said, you can be attracted to and admire any of it's these okay characters It's okay for you equally. to bring yours to it instead right. of here's mine. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That's, that's a, what exactly. is interesting. I, it took me a minute, but I see what you're saying. Cause I don't, I, I don't dislike the Michael Bay, but I see the point that, you know, like like I said, it would be very uncomfortable if they did that with a guy, which, again, for me, which means that it's it's angle for only a small a certain group of people, you know? And I think, you know, sometimes I think people misunderstand, uh, especially women and, and people like me when we say, I don't like when they do that because I think they misunderstand and think I'm trying to say that I don't want to see sexy women or or I don't want to see women portrayed as sexy or or whatever because that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm saying you know what? what I'm saying here, which is it should be it should be treated like the audience is more than just one group. I'll jump in with here one with you because this is something that gets me in trouble a lot, and and I understand why, and and certainly nobody has to agree with me, but I feel like um, like I don't have any problem with nudity. I I don't have any problem with porn. You know, but I feel like it's different. Like, like when you, when that becomes the focus, it's different. It's a different kind of thing than, than other stuff. So when you mix it up in certain ways with shows, it it turns me off. You know, like when you have so much nudity in a show that it becomes one of the focuses of the show. um, It's okay. Yeah, (laughs) it is. But it starts to feel more like porn and less like, you know, it's just the context. Of yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. So, so for me, it's not that I have any problem with any of those components. It's just I kind of feel like eh, I'd enjoy it more if we put it together in a different way. You know, and and I guess you know I I am kind of in a minority with that. I guess, but that's some of some of the shows lately that have been like really really nudity heavy. It's just Spartacus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's distracting. For that's me, that's the selling point for me. And I get that, you know, and for a lot of people, they're very popular. Show- and the stories in them, there's a lot to be said for them. I'm not putting them down in the least, but for me, not my thing as much. You know, it's kind of like it, uh, it, there's so much of it. And I think it's interesting that people are starting to notice, though. Like, uh, like there was a Saturday Night Live sketch not very long ago that was kind of having fun with Game of Thrones, you know. They were, they were uh, you know, kind of essentially suggesting that, that did you see it? No. The sketch, it's really funny. Because it's, that's it's what 
it's what Saturday Night Live does is they poke fun by exaggerating, right? Well, yeah. So the way they did it is they're they're like they had this like fourteen year old guy boy behind the and he was like the consultant where they were like like every scene they would go to the fourteen year old boy and say what does this need and he's like you know what this needs this needs you know. Uh, two chicks going at it in the background and every scene they would add in like this like porn in the background you know it's kind of a good description of game of thrones <laughs> uh, there's uh i mean spartacus they do that kind of thing but they you know it's up front and they tell you game of thrones it, it's you know there's random boobs in the background there's <laughs> that's that there's, was what they're there's yeah. two were poking at it there's two chicks making out or you know like doing a 69 in the background on a couch while other two characters up front are having dialogue like and an like, important conversation <laughs> i i can't just pick which one you you know there's there is that kind of stuff so yeah that and, frustrates me more than anything else i'm like if you're going to do porn at less at least put it in focus well, and see actually, see, that's the funny thing. I mean, it's like in a way, it's like the porn is okay and the story is okay, but but they don't necessarily go together. Like peanut butter and chocolate is good, but like you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying. I to don't think. see where you're going with this because peanut butter and chocolate together in any combination is going to be awesome. Well, exactly. <laughs> and some things work like that. Like apparently, Joss Whedon in superhero movies—that's peanut butter <laughs> and chocolate. You put that together, and it works. But like, I don't know. It would be like, uh, let me think of a good one. I got two I got, things that are good, but in different ways. I don't know. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, uh, like peanut butter and pickle. I don't know. Or like, pregnant uh, women would disagree with you. Yeah, that's probably true. But I don't know. I can't think of it. But you know, it's one of those things that just this is good. A is good, and B is good. But A plus B. Not, not always well, good, you know? They're asking I, you to multitask in a way that is exactly, not, exactly. not really you helpful. You engage porn for me, and that's that's all I'm going to be doing. And right. You better stop the porn and then start the story You're up like, again. You're like, I've got a finite amount of blood See, in I, my body, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it goes to the bottom floor or up to the top. Take your pick, you know? But... Uh, You've chosen you know, poorly. You know, <laughs> you know, and it, I'm just saying, you know, that's my that's no, my objection. I have a higher tolerance for it than many other people, I will admit. But there's, I also think that if you're going to do the, the what Dodger call it one time, the leering camera angles and all that kind of stuff, you need to do a quid pro pro. And, or, and if you're going to do that to a chick, you need to do it as many times to a guy in the same thing you know if you're going to do that but or another option and i'm not saying they should all be this way i would <laughs> just agree. like remove all of it no 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 the other option is i think what happened here and and obviously this movie wasn't designed to focus on that it appreciates well it gives you you know it gives you the how i'm going to say it like it tells you like you said it's okay for you to leer if you want to and it gives you what you need to do that but it doesn't like tell you how and there's something kind of cool about that because, like I said, that it would have been wrong to not have his car yeah. Johansson ass it's, shot. It is, it's true. Like Michael you Bay's know? movies feel kind of like to me, like someone is handing me over their favorite sticky magazine. Like, hey, look at this, you know? <laughs> look through this hole. And yeah, and the other, yeah. <laughs> I almost sprayed tea. Oh crap. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that like the hole in the church abbey we were talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But with with a movie, the way that the camera worked in a movie like The Avengers, I I felt like it was more like, look at all these hot people and come to your own conclusion, you know? And and Black Widow. uh, Who I appreciate. Holy crap. She's amazing looking. Yeah, totally got to eat the the gun jokes. Um, Man, she, me too. She, every character, and, and, and Sean had pointed out Hawkeye as well. Every character had a purpose in this. Every character had a point. All their skills were important. I ended up liking Hawkeye. I was worried that he was just going to be an add-on, and he wasn't. not. Nobody was. Yeah. Actually, 
Well, one person was. We we were kind of kidding about this, but it was the role. We were all we all kind of were uh, kind of having some fun at Colby Smothers expense, you know. Smolders. Smolders. Yeah. She um it was kind of interesting that that she played a role that I think uh, uh, we all seem to agree separately when we were talking about this. So tell me if I'm wrong, but it, the role was really almost designed to be like the most, un, the most important, unimportant person in the movie. You know, it was like a speaking role and, and it, it, it was there, but it, the, the person wasn't one that we were expected to have any background on or think about or have any concern about except basic. I, I thought what stood out about her, you know, which was a little bit of a, I don't know. It just caught my eye was that Kobe Smulders is an attractive person. And in How I Met Your Mother, she fits right in. She's awesome in that. Oh yeah, my and I love How I Met Your Mother. Um, but she she plays a person in How I Met Your Mother who's kind of like more attractive than most. And, and she's shown as like this pretty, you know, like hot woman. Sure. She's and not even in the running here. In the Avengers, yeah, it's like... I mean, that's not an you, insult. You put her on screen <laughs> with people like, you know, the people like... Um, Everybody. Chris Hemsworth and Scarlett Everybody. Johansson and yeah. um, Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Robert Downey Jr. and she just she just looks like a, a I don't a know really good like a fan who won a contest to be on the movie Whoa. or something. Wow. I mean, I don't know if I go that far. No, I, I mean, like not a that speck far, of but dirt I mean, compared to her, yeah, I am a speck that, of dirt know? compared to that. But I'm just saying, it's like wow, <laughs> like you you don't realize how even really good looking people when you put them. Among stars like that, against people they, they who look are like normal some people. of the yeah. most attractive that we have on to the offer. planet, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, wow, you know, I mean, there anybody in that movie was ten times more attractive than you know normal people, and then you see, you know, Hemsworth and you yeah. know Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. And, and I mean, you're there's just no... like, damn, wow. You know? yeah. yeah, I wasn't trying to be negative because I like no, her. I'm with, I just... I'm with you. I totally agree. I kind of lost interest in her when I saw her high heel combat boots. And, uh, you know, they were the kind with, like, the thin heel at the back, but the heel is closed all the way through. Uh-huh. So it's, like, elevate, you know, it's like this, but, you know, it's closed. I had made a sign you can't see it, 45 degrees. But, and I'm like, she's yeah, supposed yeah. to battle on a diamond plate deck. Clop, in, clop, 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 clop. Oh, yeah, in yeah, the Yeah, like, click, She can't And she even, pulls the heels out of the diamond plate. Yeah. I mean... No. Well, no, they were close. So, I mean, it, it wasn't like stilettos. Oh, they, were, oh, yeah. they had the flat bottom all the way across, but they were tipped yeah. like this, you know. So, I, I'm just like, you are not an operative. I'm sorry. I, I can't get there from here. I mean, I know why they she did was, it I, I thought, though, she was really supposed she was, to be like a manager. She was like yeah. the... Yeah, uh, yeah. She was middle management. Yeah, the, she was. Shield middle management. And, and I liked her character, all right. I did. I liked She was it. perfect for that role. Yes. I really wish they hadn't put her in high heel boots. But, <laughs> I didn't notice. That's funny. You, uh, I think it's cool that you did. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I should look for. I see more, but I never see everything you guys see, and I always try to. It's oh yeah, cool. you can. I mean, there is one thing that I that I still hold to about Black Widow. I mean, overall, like ninety nine percent of all the stuff that I was worried about did not happen. She was super intelligent, but her her power is to be able to figure people out and to manipulate them. And I think that there's something still. She hates it. Yeah, she hates cool. it. But there's something still kind of in the feminine tradition. Of Actually, that. you're absolutely right. No, I just want to agree wholeheartedly. I was going to tell you, Sean and I were talking about this this morning um, while we were setting up and everything. In the comics, this character, I personally, Sean and I both agreed that we just don't like her in the comics. She's like, 
she's that times a hundred. All those things that you're describing that the kind of kind of aren't cool. Mm-hmm. She's all those things and and worse. You know, very and much so. They yeah. toned it down a lot in the movie, but just couldn't get rid of all of it. I think. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because they made the choice to have the character, and you have to keep a lot of the yeah, the you origin. Can't but, remove all of it, you know. But I mean, if you if you look at just any superhero movie that's ever been made or any superhero that's ever existed. I mean, with very little exception, you know, if you're going to have a, a, a physical kind of presence, like a, the ability to bash, you know, the ability to lift things up and throw them or, or smash other people or to physically fight, you know, um, those abilities are usually going to be attributed to men. And now I know the the question is, but she does fight, right? Yeah. But what I would say is that it's not her skill. Men are men are assumed to have that ability anyway. So when male superheroes, when we see male superheroes, their physicality becomes exaggerated. So you know they can climb up buildings, and instead of like regular men who are considered to be just strong, they can they can do things like climb buildings and lift cars and and get in really powerful fights and really impressive fights. You know, now she can do impressive things physically but i would say that she's not much more like her capabilities physically are realistic they're what somebody could have with training they're not superhero fighting skills so yeah even though she can physically defend herself and she can like do the the you know i'm going to twist your neck with my thighs thing and stuff like that which is awesome you know she's pretty cool that way um what i would like to see which we have never seen or at least i haven't is a, a woman superhero who can cause physical havoc. Because if you think of a guy like... You mean like Wonder Woman? No, uh, Yeah, maybe. but done well. Oh, okay. But, yeah, like like Wonder Woman without being a sex object at the same time. You know, without being like... Granny woman! <laughs> I was... I had the most oh, horrible so image. I, well, how about granny, you know, male... Or grandpa male superhero, you know? That'd be funny. Homer Simpson's Just dad as funny. is... <laughs> but what, what I'm... It's okay. I can't. I can't remember where I was going. No, I'm sorry. Um, no, I no. I, 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 I think I. I, I oh, think, I, I know what it was. You know, Tony Stark is not like a super physical guy. Like he's in really good shape, but all the physical stuff that he does is through his brain and his technology and his suit. And he's small compared to the other guys. So, yeah. and he's small frame compared to the other guys. So why why do we still not see women? I could see the argument that, well, women are not built that way or it doesn't make sense to imagine a woman physically matching. Fine. But why don't we have a woman who's smart enough to make a suit who can cause physical havoc? You I, know? Think that I, the, I, don't, I think that the world is ready for that. Yeah. I think that we're on our way to it. I think that it takes a lot to overcome a hundred years of uh of of stories and literature and material floating around to create the new things that will work that way yeah i think yeah. we're on our way to it I, and I, I think, think we took some big jumps in the last couple of years sure and i just think it's an interesting observation to see that women's superpowers are almost always mental or emotional like yep. like gene gray or whatever like they're always uh either psychic or, you know, they can push you with their mind or they can read your thoughts or they can plan ideas like in um, alphas, you know, they can lie to you. They can um, make you see things that aren't there. They can make you fall in love. They can seduce you. Storm makes lightning and hurricanes. Yeah. The the exceptions that I've seen tend to be like Mother Nature type That's skills. Pretty close. You know, you know I, I feel like I totally see where you're coming from. I think that uh, I think that this was a strong female character especially considering her company. Um, 
I think what the Whedon touch kind of came from this in that she doesn't like who she is. Like she's this manipulative, twisting, moralless person. Yeah. And she doesn't like it, which is a major kind of in a lot of ways departure from what I've read. In and the she's comics. a real person. We, and, get to, we get to see her as a whole person. Indeed. And, and the fact that I think this is a funny one, uh, as Sean mentioned, you always have to be a little scared of the skill when you can when you can manipulate Loki. Yeah, that's that's, that's scary. That's got to be a checkbox. You know, the king on of manipulation. Yeah. You know, that's like that's like when you you, you know, can play Loki. That's not bad. The devil went down to Georgia and got his ass handed to him. You know, yeah, <laughs> and ended up buying a con, buying some uh, timeshares in Florida. <laughs> you know, it's like that's, yeah. a, that's bad. That's, <laughs> that's not bad. I mean, you can. You can get a master manipulator who who is basically an eternal and has been doing this for longer than your planet has been alive. I love how that, that connects to the the scene with her in the beginning with the the Russian. <laughs> he was like terrorizing I'm working. her. Yeah, and she's like, I'm working, and this idiot's about to tell me everything I need to know. And you're I'm like, doing what? an interrogation, and you're like, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh my god! And I'm thinking, is she lying? And you're like, no, no. she is. In control. God, I hate to say it, but I accidentally caught that. They they showed that clip on the Tonight Show, uh, or whatever they call Jay Leno's vehicle now, um, and I saw it online. But they, and she was on the show, and that was the clip they played. And I I had seen that clip like the day before. So when they went in there, I was like, "This is how that fits." Oh my oh, god! Yeah. yeah, and she's tied to a chair, and she like beats down everyone in the room with the chair that she's tied to. She was. <laughs> She was just there because that was the way to get them to tell her what she needed. So that yeah. was how it was going to work. You know, she is always a step ahead, you know, when it comes to how people work or Loki wanted to see her react a certain way. So she gave him what he wanted while she got what they needed. <laughs> we came home last night and I was like, you know, after all the crap I gave Black Widow and even though this movie does not pass the Bechdel test, I still really liked it. And I really liked Black Widow. <laughs> she was awesome. She was awesome. And, you know, for me, I think the thing that I, I suspect is going to make me like this movie in the long run, in the short run, I mean, it's it's the Hulk and it's all my favorite characters doing their thing. And I'm just, I'm going to see this again in the theater. I think I can't avoid that, you know. But what's going to really make this stick, I suspect, is the fact that this movie is really about a group of people learning to trust each other, learning to accept that their skills as awesome as they might be aren't enough to do everything that might be necessary to do together, you know, on, on their own. They can't just, they can't just save the world, make everything right, do all the things that need to be done or they want to do in life on their own. There comes a time where I think all of us have to accept that no matter how good we are, no matter how good we think we are at, at everything that you, you can't really do big, huge things until you're willing to, you know, let somebody get your back yeah, and, and turn out and do what you do best and let them do what they do best and trust them to do that and, and accept your position in that group. That's when the magic happens, you know, and, and it's hard for these guys. They, they spent most of the movie showing us how incredibly difficult it is for all these people to do that. You well, know? and I think that's the whole point of the Avengers is you can't make them do anything. I mean, I've, I guess obviously Loki made Hawkeye do something, but as a group, you know, you can't make them, you know, you can't just sit them down and say, all right, now go save the world. You can't do that. 
I mean, you're, you're never going to get out of them what they are capable of doing unless they choose to and actively accept that this is what they're going to do. And it takes a lot to get them that way. I mean, you have all these personalities, you have all this stuff that goes, goes on throughout, like you said, the half of the movie. You can't force them to do anything. Fury knows that. It took Coulson. Yeah. Mm, and, that, was, that was rough. And once you do, it's not really surprising that stuff works out very quickly because you can't stand against them either. Once they're together and once they've decided that this is what they're all going to cooperatively work towards, you're you're going to get messed up. I mean, they're going to fix it. Sean, were you the one who foresaw, you were talking about a lot of the tension that you expected to see between Captain America and Tony Stark? That was yeah, me. I that was both of us. Oh, yeah. oh you guys both, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they have a huge, I mean, they're basically both sides of the war and they, they don't talk about this war in this one, but they're both sides of the war, the the registration and controlling of mutants. And of course, Captain America is on one side of it and Stark is head of the other, basically. Stark winds up winning, but yeah, Captain America and Stark just do not get along. Wait, I'm confused. What is... What does mutants have to do with it? The Civil War. Uh, oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah, I haven't the, read the... X-Men are, are Marvel as well. They're in the Marvel Universe. Sure. So technically, uh, the war that's going on, the Civil War that takes place in, in around the registration of mutants, um, all the Marvel characters are involved in it. And uh, Captain America as well. I'm not an expert, but I know the basics. Captain America is essentially on one side, heads one side of it, and Tony yeah. Stark heads the other. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't have all of that going in. So that's really interesting. I need yeah, to read that. Yeah, they have that. fundamental differences yeah. of how they believe this should work. And of course, Captain America is on the mutant side and Stark is on the regular human side. Uh, as surprising as that may be, since some of his friends are mutants. Yeah. Uh, including in this movie, I thought it was kind of funny that Hulk and, or, you know, Banner and uh, Stark got along so well. Of course, the, you know, kind of interesting to me, they they really managed to bring out in some of the characters things that I hadn't thought about, which is awesome. Like, I had never considered, and this is dumb, but I never considered exactly how anti-war and anti-military Stark is. Stark is right. core anti-war. When, when, when Captain America makes it, says something, I forget exactly what, but there are orders and we should take them. And he's like, we're not soldiers. He, and yeah. what he's really saying is, is I'm not a soldier because he can't imagine himself that way. He'll yeah. explode. You know, he'll just self I thought a lot of that though you know? was, and I know that Stark has good reasons from the stuff that he's seen, you know, but I thought that a lot of that, like I, even without the background of the comics and the Civil War story, I could tell from the movie that their philosophies clash because Captain yeah. America is, you know, very loyal to the larger cause of the military and the country and as he would be, right? He's Captain yeah. America. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he's he's very patriotic and he sees a lot of significance in chain of command. Well, and there and, was and, a lot of spirit when he was... I mean, yeah, very, right. he's from very, a different time. He's from a different That's time right. where there was a lot of country pride yes. and, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, as yeah. Colson pointed out, right? Yeah, of course he'd be like that. Yeah, exactly. And and Stark, I mean, like I said, even though he may have other reasons to be against the war, like what happened to him in the first two movies and stuff, um, I got the sense that Stark doesn't. He's incapable of taking orders from anybody because he just doesn't believe that he should have to. You know, you know what, he, he's completely independent, and and that's why um, Fury can't completely trust him. You know, back in Iron Man two, 
he can't completely trust him. He's like, we'll bring you on as a consultant because Stark won't listen to anybody see, except Pepper. Sometimes. See, I thought that, and that's exactly what I thought going in. I, yeah. had, I had mistaken all of that, I think, and I say mistaken, I'll tell you why, but is because, I, I mean, I thought that's him. He's just, he, he just does his own thing. And that's, and yet in this one, you'll notice that once, once the Avengers really came together, once Coulson, you know, gave his life and everybody, and they all came together and realized what had to happen and they all let go of their own damn issues and, and worked as a team. When they hit the ground, you'll notice what he did. The first thing that happens is is that Tony Stark turns to 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 Captain America and says, "What are we doing?" Yeah, because he knows that Captain America is the leader. He is the leader. He's I the guy that, that has to be the leader. Yeah, and Stark knows it. And Stark is like, once, everybody knows it. Once Stark, one thing Stark has always been good at is that when when crap needs to happen, when it gets to the point where it's got to happen, and there's only one way that things are going to work, he accepts it and he does it, and and that's it. You know. He accepted it. He knew that Captain America was the leader. He's in charge. Well, he also was in charge because he was leading. Not like, and I, we were talking about this before yeah. the cast too. If you look at somebody like Cyclops, Cyclops is in charge because Professor X says he's in charge. Right. Yeah. Captain America is in charge because he's leading them. It's just like they demonstrated in two seconds in the movie when he tells the cops and firefighters what to do. And they look at him like, why should I listen to you? Why should I take orders from you? Yeah. And then he just, he, he takes care of things and turns back to him. And the guy just turns around, doesn't even ask. And he goes off to do his <laughs> that thing. That was funny. You know? Yeah. It's just an, it's, it's, it's an example of that. It's on a larger scale. I love watching Captain America in the action scenes. I, I got to say the action sequence for the last part of this movie was just it was just riveting. I've, I've been to so many action movies where the action was just overwrought and you couldn't tell what was going on or, you know, you'd kind of lose interest at points if it got on too long and the same kind of stuff over and over. <sighs> I never lost 15 interest. Minutes long. Yeah, I, mean, I was on the edge of my seat just every moment and they, they kept switching and, and giving us enough character and, and everything just to keep it fresh. But I have to admit, watching Captain America fight was awesome because I know that he can't fly and he can't, you know, no. he's a... Like his, like we said before, his superpower is that he is, you know, wise and and yeah, he's he's kind and he doesn't want to fight, but he he'll do what has to be done and he's loyal and you know and he's also really really big and muscular, but that doesn't you know if you shoot the shield Captain is pretty America, the shield is pretty uh, helpful I think <laughs> because it's indestructible right if if the which is one of those items like we were talking about it Sean was talking this morning I'm sorry I didn't mean to like steal your thunder here tell me if I, Sean was talking awesomely about how um about how that moment with the shield when when Thor whacks the shield and it like uh you know you see it ring out and move the clouds back and everything and it's like it's just one of those moments you you said it was a buy-in moment right yeah there were two for me in the movie and that was that was one of them and like it, it's because I like when Hulk couldn't pick up Thor's hammer. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you are definitely not, that is awesome. Not cut out that for was that awesome. Thing. And and but Sean was talking about how as a kid he always thought and I agree. I was the same way. How how a shield just seemed like kind of a lame weapon, you know, a lame item to give somebody. And yet it's indestructible, world changing, you yeah. know, you no kidding. Anything with it. It was cool when there were like trucks falling out of the sky and he captain crouched down over Black Widow yeah. and like held the shield over both of them. Yep. And I was thinking, is that really going to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, indestructible. <laughs> it's indestructible. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I'm just, wow. You know, I. There was a moment, too, like when, and sometimes you wonder why they do something, and I think I'm going to find more and more of these as I watch this movie again. 
um, there was the scene where after so many times and uh, Captain America saved the day, you know, and, and yet here he is fighting beside Thor. Thor is a god. Like, he's godlike, whether you, you know, he doesn't require people to worship him or anything, but essentially, you know, holy crap, you just about can't kill him, right? Captain America, if you shot Captain America, he's dead. Yeah. And he's fighting, like, round for round with Thor. And there's that one point where he gets up and he looks like he ain't going to get up too many more times, you know, and he's just ready to do I'm like, why did they show me that? And they showed you because his power is hard and he has so much of it. I mean, wow. Yeah, I remember that. I recognize that alley. <laughs> I got beat up behind that building. Yeah, pretty much. And that know? one. And that one. Yeah, restaurant. If he's capable, Captain will always get up. Oh, he will yeah. always get up, and he will always face whatever the problem is. That's really all you can ask. And he doles out those roles. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, Akai, you're going to do your thing. And, and This man has been in infantry battles very recently. Yeah. I mean, well, at least to him, anyway. I mean, he's he's been planning infantry ops and, and special ops for... His whole yeah, his, adult life, His whole life, you know. So this is nothing new for him. He can see and identify the... Th- well, I mean, the aliens are new, but this is... Most of <laughs> it whatever. is... Nothing. Yeah, it's whatever. It's it's danger, you know. he That's what he does. And and he's very good at it. So it was cool to see Stark actually, uh, I, I won't say admit, but realize. Accept. That, yeah, yeah. That this is something that he needs to be doing. They send Stark to negotiate. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because he's good at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just, <laughs> I just wanted to say real quick, like one of the other <laughs> things I love about Captain America is that, you know, he comes from a very different time. Yes. And he would have every reason to think differently about a lot of issues than the people that he's around, you know, like, you know, you could see him thinking differently about, you know, women or technology or the role of this and that, you know, because people who are from that generation would. It operates on some kind of electricity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. (laughs) And and yet you, I don't see that at all. I, I see him being, it's not that he doesn't think about it. He does think about it, but he's he's very curious and yeah. he's very accepting of the, the people and the things yeah. around him. And he has a strong sense of himself and of what is right and wrong. And if the world has changed, he's found a way to be okay with that. You know, he's just inherently an open-minded person with a not only a lot of heart with like a capital H, but he's got a good heart. You know, yeah. and he doesn't, he, we yeah. saw even in his own time, he didn't have any of those kind of prejudices that, yes. that were very common, did. you know? Yeah. 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 If also, there was anybody who could handle it today. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's built kind of that way. He was more modern. Yeah. Then. In the first place, you know, yeah. we just finally caught up to him really. And I love that even though he's low tech, so to speak, you know, I mean, it, yeah, the computer was taking too long. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. I mean, he doesn't, uh, yeah, he goes about things differently. But they still work. I mean, there's still you still need boots on the ground. Yeah. And his boots on the ground are pretty damn impressive. Speaking of boots, you know, one thing that, that I, I think, you know, dark superhero movies are kind of having a moment. You know, they have for a bit. It's sort of like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. When Battlestar Galactica came out and they and did this magic thing that was just so different and so awesome that everything just jumped on board. 
And and the Dark Knight was the same way. You know, when Dark Knight came out, it redefined in a lot of ways the way superhero movies work. And and everybody jumps on board, and all of a sudden, it's all about how real can I be? And it's like we got to get rid of the tights, and we got to get rid of yeah, the, how gritty so, and yeah, everything has to be and, real. Yeah. And and this movie in Spades, I think, proves that that's not that's not the point. There is a point there, and and Dark Knight is important, and uh, you know, and but it's not the darkness that makes it important. You know, what makes it important is the fact that that it's putting it's taking those those stories that are full of you know people in tights and stuff and puts in all of the, a lot of the things that kids had in their imagination when they when they were reading them in the first place and it's like you know when you take a group of and this is funny i don't know if you noticed but uh um on uh but back in, in, in the, the the number of actors in this i think it was imdb i read uh that this movie had like I can't remember if it was more or, or a large more like Academy nominated award nominated actors than like most movies. Yeah, a few. Yeah, like than most. I mean, it's a superhero movie, but the people who are in it are like Academy award winning actors, you know, or nominated actors. Yeah, it's like if you take this story, even with the tights. Like my great example was when you see uh, Captain America walk out, and he's wearing like part of his blue tights and like you know, uh, calf high red boots. And, and I mean, that's as cheesy as it gets, but you put this Were they red. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. And yet yeah. you put this awesome. <laughs> you didn't even notice. Yeah. I noticed he had boots on like kind of cheesy looking boots, but cause you put this awesome actor in it and you tell this awesome human story with it and you bring out these aspects that we all see in ourselves and want to think about and want to understand how to be the best people we can be and think about that. And, and he wears that stuff and he's just like, yeah, this is what it is and does this thing. And you're like, yeah, it's what it is. Okay. And you move on and it's not like, cheesy. You know? I like the way that Colson said it, you know, with what's going on. I think people could use a little old fashioned. Yeah. You know, and again, he wasn't saying that it all has to be that way, but there is something special about yeah. what Captain America brings that that maybe is lacking today, you know. And when he said that, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it because we moved on to the next thing. But I felt like that's one of those things that's going to make me think after I've seen the movie. The end too, where they back that up, where you see people are doing the standard negative. They need to pay for the thing. The, the government and stuff are doing that. And, and the people though, the people were like, I love that I woman. Yeah. Who's I'd like, say, thank I'd say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're like, damn, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, people get it. And you see the guy wearing the where guy like wearing the Captain America shirt. Oh, yeah. There was a dude oh, yeah, the a tattoo. Captain, yeah, getting a tattoo, tattoo and tattoo. stuff. And you're like, cool. hell it yeah. It was right on right where Sean got his GWC tattoo. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of, of just and they did a great job of showing you the spectrum. Yeah. With the, with the reaction to it, with the, you know, how would we actually react to superheroes? Well, probably a lot like that. <laughs> you know, there would be a mutant registration thing. There would be a lot. And. And really, it's what they're doing is so important. And you see with Coulson, you know, and his cards and, and all the rest of that. So Coulson is a, a, he believes in them. He believes in the system. He believes in them. He believes that they will save the planet. I mean, this is not something he's saying. It, he believes it. He really does. That was just brilliant. I've just got to say the the Coulson character, introducing him the way they did, kind of, putting him in a fan role 
Yeah. And and having us kind of chuckle at him with his with his cards and and his and that suit stuff. And, you know, and he's always he never threatened anybody. He never did anything but make the the Avengers lives better. Yeah. He always helped. Well, yeah. he did steal a bunch of Jane's stuff in Thor, but <laughs> that's like the worst thing. He did. He did threaten to uh, taser uh, Tony yeah. Stark and watch Super Nanny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that he was didn't do awesome. it though. Well, watch Super awesome. Nanny while you drool on the floor. <laughs> but just the fact that that he had gained these people's respect. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and they he, all liked him. And he's not a superhero. He's no. just a dude. He's just a guy. And and I don't know the way like there's something so magic and is this is this not Joss Whedon or what you know where you kind of chuckle at him and you kind of you kind of see yourself in him a little bit and then when he dies the whole thing turns that's the turning point I mean I hate to say it, it's like in Serenity you know I mean when things turn there too you know like everything shifts gears right there. And and when he dies, you're just like, wow, everything shifts gears. And, and Joss Whedon has such a good understanding of the human heart. And he uh, knows he knows just what people find important and just how to make people connect and those like those universals. Yeah, and at the same time, can do a Hulk whack a mole and yes, and it's just God, that was awesome, funny as hell. Right back around to the beginning. <laughs> That was I don't know about you guys, but about you, Sean. But when when we were there, it was like that moment where he, you know Loki's giving his his uh, bad guy speech, boss speech. I am a god. I don't. And and you see you see the Hulk just look at him, kind of confused, and then grab him. And it's so fast and weird. He it's looks like, like a little doll, wham, like a little wham, rag doll. Wham, 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 wham. <laughs> he goes on gorilla. And then just <laughs> takes off, and and uh, and you and that look on Loki's face, and you're just like our whole theater was like silence, and then. Ah, applause and everything you're just like oh it's awesome yeah. <laughs> it's it funny because you work out for you, you think you know because you're used to these boss grandstanding things when they have yeah. a, a trump card you know yeah Loki had nothing nothing you know he had unrealistic expectations and you know you're you're trying to to stare down the hulk this is not gonna, it's not go gonna well work for you. and they don't even show the hulk grabbing him you just cut back to loki and he just grabs him from off screen and just slips him around and he goes all gorilla style on him it's just, so fast <laughs> it's like it's not like he looks kaboom, like he's kaboom, trying to stomp like, out wham, a mouse wham, with wham, him wham, you know? wham, yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's ridiculous how fast he is <laughs> you're just like whoa by the way tom hiddleston did an awesome <laughs> oh, job, job Loki. Too. awesome i mean holy crap you can see the shakespearean you know the theater trained actor in him and the way he get that that creepy kind of triumphant smile a bunch of times throughout the movie when he'd see things kind of going his way um in the moment he was he's very subtle the moment the moment with black widow when he really did creep you the hell out you know that was awesome it's sort of like patrick stewart patrick stewart true shakespearean actor he puts on tights it is not funny you know, you it's not cheesy, it's not funny. You're like, oh, okay. You know, he just sells it, and and yeah, you can put this guy in a monarch costume, monarch and it's still. I, I don't think anyone I can't else could get away with that. Every time I see, I'm like, I want to be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the wings, you know, and and I bought it. So, Dr. girlfriend, you know, I there mean, is something to be said about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the dude can get in the stanza. <laughs> <laughs> the one last thing I, I feel like we can't move on without talking about is is Nick Fury. You know, I've always 
and I and I'm I'm not a big Avengers guy. I've, re- I've read some Iron Man, so you get to interact with with a Nick Fury a bit. Avengers, yeah. And Nick Fury has always been a real dick in the in the comics, I, as far as I know. You oh, know? he was and, a dick in the movie too. But yes, but that's that's what I was going to say is that you had the moment where you realized that, like everybody in the movie, there was a role that had to be filled, and it wasn't a nice one. It wasn't good. It wasn't happy. Nobody's going to like him. He took that role because it's the role that needed to happen, and he's doing it well. And you got to respect that. You don't like him. I don't want to deal with I Nick feel Fury. Like his he's going to react to you. His reaction to the council, yeah. I, I felt, was a little bit like Mass Effect and and Shepard. You know, <laughs> well, if it was my goes yeah. out and bazookas his own plane, that's awesome. Yeah, you do not mess with that. I mean, you tell him <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But the council had a plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just so great when he, yeah he's like. The decision, he's like, the decision has been made. I am just standing, what was it? You know, he was like, I just don't disagree with it. (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah. And there was a whole bunch of them like that too. Which is great because he's playing Gibbons from Triple X. Yeah. He really is. I mean, it's the same guy. It is, literally. Yeah, it's literally, it's the same guy. (laughs) They added an eye patch and a leather coat. But in this one, you know, there's this long history and I'm like, how do you bring that to the, because on the screen, you can't leave as much to the imagination. They're going to have to tell us and it's going to have to be right, you know, and, and they managed to, you know, it's like, I get that. Okay. You know, I get what he's doing. I like, I like him in the role. I don't like him. I don't want to be him. I don't want to be near him. Yeah. Well, and you realize what he's playing for afterwards. Well, I understand there was a decision. It was a stupid ass decision. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's I chose awesome. not to follow it. There are certain, there's a small handful of maybe one a small fingerful. It's like one person who could play that role and make it work. Yeah. And you see why they picked him for it. Well, who else are you going to get? I mean, could you think of almost anybody else who could deliver that with no. the same kind of, I mean, it's a corny line. And, and yet out of him, you're like, works. okay. You know, I mean, well, he, I mean, Sam Jackson has kind of a, an authoritative presence, you know, <laughs> that's a nice that, way of saying it. Well, he would have to shut it off. I mean, yeah. and it's kind of yeah. natural to him as a person, I think. So, you know, even when you see him like palling around off screen in an interview or something, he, he really commands a lot of attention, a lot of respect. You shut it off, you get Mace Windu. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, in this one, you expected him to follow up with the line, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? You know, I mean, you expect that to come after it. With Mace Windu, you keep waiting for it, and you never get it. You know, yeah. Well, it was appropriate here. You yeah, know, the here, Sam Jacksonism just, like, sealed yeah. the deal. Yeah. And he doesn't do it all the time. That's what's cool is it's just it pops out at the right time. You know, you're like, you need somebody tough enough to, uh, I don't know, to handle this group. I just remembered uh, poor Stellan Skarsgård who who looked awful uh. in this movie because he was under under Loki's power. <laughs> so like even his teeth were like all mangled and he was all sweaty and, and it was kind of sad because I know it was he was sad. just so excited and because he didn't he wasn't himself and he didn't know how to handle any of it. You know, it's like it was, was kind of sad. I'm glad way. they could fix him though. Yeah, yeah. and he did help. Again, I mean, nothing wasted in this movie. Yeah. You know what I missed, yeah. what I was really hoping for and just didn't get much of, was Thor's joy. Thor's yeah, smile, you know? Thor was was not as major a character in this movie as... as no. a, which just makes me really wait for Thor to... Yeah. But I want to see Thor with that like grin, that enjoying life kind of attitude yeah. again. Because that's what, one of the things I love most about him. And in this movie, he was... Just very serious, very, you know, 
kind of angry or upset all the time. Well, his and, brother was trying to destroy the planet and bringing an alien well, army to the through a portal. So, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to be joyful about, but you're that right. The alien he, army was cool. It was. <laughs> yeah. Was, I, I, there's, there was just so much done right uh, with oh, a, yeah. a large ensemble cast of, of superheroes who in and of themselves have stories and things that you want to know about. And I I don't think X-Men came anywhere close. No. Uh, Good movies, as, but no. And they didn't portray as, as the, you know, what's really hard is keeping them together and focused. And, and in the, oh, in the so end, right. the X-Men didn't, you, you got the sense that, oh yeah, it's the X-Men it'll be fine because they're all a team. In this one, you really understand. It's like trying to hold two opposite ends of the magnet together or, you know, the same ends of the magnet together. It's not going to happen. You can't do it for very long. And Fury doesn't even try. But <laughs> he, you get the impression that it is very difficult to wrangle all these people and get them together. You you get that with Avengers. I don't think you ever got it in X-Men. They got Wolverine right in X-Men. They yeah, got all the, of them the right Avengers here. The Avengers are a very reluctant team. Yeah. And they're only brought together in a, the most desperate situation because they're they're so powerful and so different from one another and they work in such... And they've had to go through so many traumatic experiences to be who they are and to learn how to live like Banner. You know, I mean, it's really traumatizing for him to go through this stuff and that's why he hides out and, and tries to go to remote locations and just well, settle in and help people. And it really is in case of emergency break open Hulk and Stark and you know the rest of them and it's just you get that impression you understand what it is to try and and <laughs> wrangle these people because it's not easy and and you can't make them like I said before you can't make them do anything they have to choose to and they have to be fully bought in before you're going to get any kind of results that you want out of them. And even then you better give them a clear, you know, wide berth because it's going to be messy. You know what my favorite moments in this were? What? It was, they were the moments where these uh, superhuman characters uh, learned lessons from each other. You know, it was like uh, when, when Stark and Banner were in the lab and they're having their discussion and Stark was talking about, um, you know, about being okay with being who you are and what you are and, and dealing with that. And, and when it was the most honest conversation you heard Stark have about who and what he is too, or when, or when Captain America and, and, uh, you know, where, where Rogers and, uh, um, uh, you know, and Stark were talking, I think it was again in the lab and, and he was like, you know, you'd never be able to make the sacrifice. You know, and Tony learns and he's willing to, you know, yeah. that's something he wasn't before. Or when, or when Rogers has to learn that the world isn't like him mm-hmm. and that you have to interface with a world that isn't, people will lie to you, people that you are going to have to work with and that you may even trust later. And you yeah, have you to can't deal blindly with, follow authority. You need to think and, and understand what's happening. And yet you. not give up what makes you, you, yeah. you know? And, and, uh, you know, and when Black Widow learns that, that no matter, despite what Loki said, no matter how many things you've done in the past, there's still humanity in there and you can pull it out. You know, those were my favorite moments. All of them. Yeah. I'm with you, Chuck. I I think that that's what glued together all the awesome character parts of this story, which is really the, the heart of it and what what you take away from it. I mean, cause it's a fun story and there's so much that happens, but when you walk away, that's the stuff that really kind of 
keeps ringing, yeah, you know, ringing yeah. in your ears and in your heart for a long time. Just you remember that and remember the feeling. Yeah, it was definitely the glue. For me, my favorite, though, I've been waiting 30 years for the Hulk to be portrayed right. Right. And I think in this particular instance, this was right. This Do you was... like the purple shirt and the brown pants? I thought that was awesome. Oh, that was <laughs> awesome. That was awesome. You got a condition, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Did he make it out of pile of And he's nice to him. He's, yeah, like, he's just like, he's like, yeah. I brought these earlier, but I didn't think they'd fit till you, you know, got back to <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Did I hurt anybody? I love that that's the first thing he says. Yeah, Did like, I hurt anybody? He's like, no. Scared the crap out of some pigeons. But <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> anybody, you know, are you an alien? Nope. Well, you got a condition, son. You yeah. got to love the moment with Cat, where, where Cav looks at him and is like, Hulk, smash. Oh, oh that was, yeah, that was like... All, all. If I, if that was like candy. Yeah, I mean, Had all my there, favorite though. moments. Yeah, are are really Hulk related moments. Hulk has always been my favorite character, and this was the first time I like the visual representation of the last Hulk better yeah. of the Edward Norton Hulk. I think visually, that's in my. If I close my eyes, that's what Hulk looks like to me. They made him a little bit smaller and a little bit less muscle than this one. I think part of that's really? because they'd have to. He has to interact in scenes, yeah. many scenes with people. And it, if he was as large as he was in the other one, yeah. it would be impractical. Yeah. I know they changed his face a little bit to look yeah. more like mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo's Which face. is awesome. Yeah. Which I thought was great. Yeah. yeah. I really liked it. I He's more comic booky in Avengers. Right. I mean, and more true to the actual, I guess, uh, evolutionary image of the Hulk uh, in this one. I think I like the Edward Norton as far as the butt, you know, neck down better. Uh, but uh, it's, but you understand. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. But I know still, what you're saying. the spirit Steve. of the Hulk, this is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah nice. I, 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 I like this one. Uh, this is, they finally got him right. Banner and the Hulk, they, they are, they're kind of a package deal for, for how they relate to each other and how you see them. This was the one for me. Uh, this is the one I've been waiting for forever. They did him great. So those are my favorite moments with it. Well, there's always more to talk about with this with this movie, and uh, hit us up if you want to, because you know we'll talk with you about it. And holy crap, if you yeah. haven't seen it, you really Go should. It. It's a fantastic movie. It's fun and it's meaningful, and it's just a ride. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, Audrey, anything you want to add? And no, nope, that's it. Here? I'm I'm happy with that. I am just I'm so glad that we saw it oh, me so too. early on and, and didn't wait. Me too, John. Yeah, I'd I'd say that uh, this was probably the for me. It's probably the best superhero movie I've I've seen. I'll put it, I'll rank it number one uh, over over even you know uh, first class or anything like that, which was pretty up there for me. But uh, yeah, God, first class is amazing. It is. This is a different kind of amazing. Uh, it's it's very it's kind of a different it's even a shift from some of that so really really well done super happy you should if you're into comic book movies at all you need to go see it what Sean said Woo-hoo. we'll see you next week on behalf of everyone here at GWC thanks for listening and thanks to all who make GWC possible including producers Soleil form moderators Batterspoon Pike and Frack and Talos, GWC book club maven Casilda and tech guru Juan Drew 
Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. We're always re-watching or group-reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.